0: Chris Carter here with a bonus episode on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We talked Friday about how the offense had been struggling the past few days, but boy, did they respond Friday and Saturday. We'll talk about that and a lot more here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers,
1: your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: hello welcome to the locked on steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter bringing you your daily dose of all things on the pittsburgh steelers as always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on youtube like this video like this video for you if you enjoy it subscribe to this channel for all your daily monday through friday episodes as well as our bonus content like this episode we thank you for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day now i want to get into what we saw this weekend that for, for just for those who are seeing this episode this is recorded sunday morning we saw what happened friday night lights and saturday afternoon And it was kind of exciting and we wanted to get into it, but I wanted to get into some of it before we got back to the regular episodes that we'll have on Monday. First, let me say, uh, as you recall, I kind of called out the offense a little bit on the the Friday episode, which we recorded on Thursday and said they hadn't looked the the good last few days and red zone concerns are still an issue. They hadn't been winning seven shots. And they responded to that by winning back to back seven shots Saturday or Friday and Saturday uh, before the Sunday practice. And although both of those were padded practices where the Steelers were kind of going a little bit closer to live, there was a little bit more thud, which means they're kind of, they're playing with pads. They're hitting, but they don't want to take each other fully down and tackles just to protect each other from injuries, things like that. Um, but. The offense looked very smooth. They went for, they went back to back seven shots for the first time uh, this year. Maybe even I have to go back through my notes. I was, I was trying to compile all my notes from last season. I think that might've been the first back to back seven shots wins since Ben Roethlisberger was quarterback. So either way, big improvement. And, Saturday, Friday night's win, they looked really good. Especially Kenny Pickett, he was on point. He wasn't holding on to the ball as much. He was getting the ball out of his hand. He was throwing it into tight passing windows. Looked confident in his throws. Had had a couple runs where it was you know well it was like well timed. It wasn't just a forced thing where he would have been sacked if it was a real game. He looked better. He looked sharper. Um, and I thought that that was a really good sign for for the offense. And it's also a reminder that like I say this every year. When if you if you listen to me for years covering training camp, do not take one practice as the Bible as the definition of what you expect to see this season, whether it's good or bad, because natural progressions for everybody involve ups and downs in the, in, in in training camp. It's just natural, and especially on, for younger players who are still figuring out their way, and especially even more so younger players on offense. It takes time for chemistry to build. It takes time for connections to build. Defense is much easier to it is not easy but it's easier to win in training camp because one you're more used to the offense's plays and two you know you're not your your success as, as a defense doesn't as compound doesn't as depend on your teammates all being on one accord as much as it does on the offensive side of the ball so when 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 the, when bad things happen, when you know Pickett throws an interception like he threw one to Joey Porter Jr. on Thursday, it wasn't a death no, can you pick Pickett. Oh, it was just like, hey, you know what? Joey Porter Jr. made a play there. Let's see how. how him and the offense bounced back. And I'd say they bounced back pretty well. And they also bounced back both in the run and the pass. They were able to create space. They were also able to win a little bit more in the passing game. Uh, And that's not just with George Pickens, who continues to be the star of training camp. I'd say that he's been kind of the best player in training camp the Steelers have had, um, just making ridiculous catch after ridiculous catch. But also, I mean, Deontay Johnson's getting open. Uh, You know, Pat fryerman has been doing solid. I think he's doing a little bit better. He was struggling for a little bit, but I think he's stepping up um and you've seen i mean Najee harris has looked solid jane warren has, has been across the board like they, they the offense has been taking steps forward this year so that's my first note on what we saw over the weekend now we did get some more backs on backers i will apologize i thought we'd get to talk about more one-on-ones with the offensive linemen it's a little tough for us to see them because if you're at st vincent college when they do their one-on-one backs on backers, the backs on backers are on the, on the first field and on the second field is the offensive lineman. And we can't, we are not allowed to get over to that field. So, uh, we don't get to see as a good review of that. So I can't catalog what I'm seeing with offensive line versus defensive line nearly as well as I do backs on backers. But let's still talk about backs on backers. Now, a few, few notes that I made here. Uh, and Landon Roberts and Jalen Warren is becoming a really good rivalry. Like if you remember Rosie Nix and Vince Williams, that used to be like when those guys collided in backs on backers, it was it was like, a, you know, like nuclear bombs were going off because of how hard they hit. I'd say that Roberts and Warren are getting not at that level just yet, but they're having some really good backs and force. They've had three different reps on, uh, on, on Saturday Roberts wins the first one and kind of like sets the tone. And then the second one, he kind of got a little cocky and he would, and he said, I'm gonna line up on the outside just because I'm not more efficient out there. And then Jalen Warren just took him to school and he was like, okay, now I'm gonna line up inside. And then on that one, Jalen Warren doesn't just take him to school; he pancaked them, and it was like, ooh, everyone kind of got crazy about it. And then Jalen Warren like sort of stands over Roberts, like, "Don't ever like try to underestimate me again." But immediately, Mike Tomlin steps in, blows the whistle, and he says, "Everybody, look at this right here. Do not ever do that." That gets us a taunting penalty, and say we just threw it; we, we just had a big play. You just ruined it with that one. So that, and then Mike Tomlin said, "Hey, I love the passion. I love the intensity." But you focus it. You don't do things that cost your team. And those are the type of things that you want to see carry over out of training camp that they learned from that lesson. And he stopped literally he stopped everyone on backs on backers, made everyone look at that moment. He said, offense or defense. You don't stand over the guy in that moment because that could cost you. So I thought that was a cool moment, both for Warren for getting the win and for the team kind of seeing uh, getting uh, some uh, reflection moments there. Then uh, T.J. Watt, who I notoriously said, we notoriously said on the first backs on backers lost to Darnell Washington twice. He got his get back. He got Darnell Washington on this one. It was kind of like, okay, that's the TJ Watt we know and love. But Washington also then responded by then dominating like pretty much everyone else that went up against him. He went, he went up six more times in backs on backers. And Mike Tomlin seems to really be testing him. He loves challenging Darnell Washington. Washington went 5-1 and one after going up against T.J. Watt. He took on Perales, a guy who's probably not going to make the team, but uh, he, he swept him, and then he went three times against Nick Herbig, and it was pretty good. Uh, the first time, he stones Herbig. The second time, Herbig put on a really good, quick, shifty move, and Washington kind of fell for it, and he won, but then they had a rubber match, and then Washington won that one, so that was pretty good. Uh, other notes there in back-on-backers, Pat Friermuth actually stopped Alex Highsmith. Good sign for him, maybe, because blocking was kind of his weakness, and they need him to be a better blocker, so that was good for him Quan Alexander had a a three series with Najee Harris where it was kind of a a mixed bag Uh, I'd say Quan Alexander kind of had the the edge on him the first one was kind of like a tie when they went up because Quan Alexander knocked Najee Harris back and he lost his footing but in doing so Najee also kind of knocked him back and they both fell to the ground together so Quan Alexander didn't exactly get to the quarterback But he knocked Najee Harris backwards while also him also falling backwards. So I called that one a tie. But then the second one, Najee Harris stands him up, stones him, looks pretty good. And the third one, he just... Olayed on Najee Harris. He was waiting for him to charge up, and you know, and he came, and he was able to just move around him pretty easily. And so it was kind of, a, it was kind of a humbling moment for Najee. Uh, and Quan Alexander continues to look like he's going to be a good physical presence on the defense. So uh, those are just some of my notes that I had. There's other things here. Um, that I thought was that I thought were kind of interesting uh, Cole Holcomb continues to look pretty solid um I think that the uh that the, the Steelers they're ready to be physical with other teams like they're they've been they've been doing this enough that I think that they're they want to kind of get a chance to take that physicality out on some opponents uh, and they'll get to this upcoming Friday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with, with their first preseason game but we're not done yet I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit because Isaac Sayomalo I think is really showing how good he is and how important he can be to this offensive line, taking the next step that everyone wants them to take. We'll talk about that here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast after the break. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host Chris Carter. We're continuing our bonus episode here. We're doing a two segment show. We'll do a still do a Sunday, uh, excuse me, a Monday show uh, to to be regularly on schedule. But I wanted to give you guys some content for over the weekend. Now, uh, the offensive line has has also had its ups and downs. Like when I talk about the offense, I wasn't just talking about the skill players. I'm actually more specifically I am talking about the offensive line itself, um, but. There is something that's becoming clearer and clearer to me is that like two or two days, I think it was Thursday and Wednesday where Isaac Sayomala wasn't as involved. He was getting some vet days after the Steelers were in pads and you could tell there wasn't just as much cohesion on the offensive line and then Friday and Saturday when they won. I think a big part of it was Isaac Seomala was on the line and he kind of. Stabilizes everything, and Dan Moore Jr. still at left tackle for the ones. Though we'll talk about that on Monday about where I think that matchup or that contest is with him, with him and Broderick Jones, because I think that's actually taken some interesting turns so far. Um, But when Salemala was in there Friday and, and Saturday, you just saw. A You know, the the group was firing off a little bit better. And this is what I talk about when I say that offensive lines need anchor players. I used to talk about this with Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro and Marcus Gilbert for a time. They made it easier for guys like Ramon Foster and Alejandro Villanueva, who were good at their jobs, but not elite players at their jobs. And when those guys when those elite players are next to you or around you they make everyone else's jobs so much easier and they're making progress there that i think that is that is, that is very seeable. Isaac Sayomalo, uh when when he's in there running blocking and pass pass protection look more coordinated. Uh saw him getting uh, even getting downfield on some lead blocks, saw him even kind of working against Cam Hayward a bit there. He is the hype. We didn't get a chance to talk to Sayomalo this weekend, but we talked to James Daniels who was kind of like that guy for the Steelers last year, they brought him in a free agency, and even though he was like 26 years old, he was kind of like the the elder statesman leader of the of the offensive line because they were all so young and and without as much experience. And so he kind of had that role last year, but now Isaac Stamala could kind of take that role because he's 30 and he's uh, he's had a lot of time in the NFL and he's been very successful in the NFL. So here was James Daniels when I caught up with him after I think it was Saturday's practice. We got to talk about just where he sees the offense going and what Isaac Sayomala is doing and how the line's doing as a whole. Here's James Daniels. Hey, hey tree, hey, T- save me a spot on that card. Save me shotgun, please. James, just talk with us real quick, how have you seen you guys as a group grow, especially with the addition of Isaac Broderick and the new faces that are in the room? Uh,
1: There's been a lot of positive growth. I mean, Isaac drinks a completely different like approach to things. I mean, he's been coached to really, he's been coached by a really good offensive line coach mm-hmm. his entire NFL career. So it's really nice hearing him talk about the game and how he sees the game. So no, he's been really good. He's been a really good addition to the line room and Broderick too. Like Broderick, I mean, hungry, hungry rookie, even though he was a first round pick, all that stuff. He still shows, he still shows like every day, like, he knows like his not, be good it's not earned so he's he's really impressed me so far you you kind of were like the the veteran guy of the
0: group last year does Isaac coming coming in kind of give you a little bit of relief so you can just focus on
1: you and not have to necessarily lead everyone all the time no I mean I feel like everyone has their like different like leadership styles and no like Isaac is like I mean, just like Isaac is can is say things or like Cheeks can say things, Mason can say things like that. I mean, it's just not – it was never just me who was saying the thing. So, I mean, yes, Isaac is another person, another voice in the room. But, no, it's just, it was just never one voice in the room that was like the leader. You guys seem really a lot stronger in run,
0: in the run game and understanding how to work together. What do you think is the biggest thing that has contributed to
1: at least the, the more success in camp? Oh, uh, I just – I mean – we made an emphasis. I mean, last year towards the end of the year, I mean, we, I mean, colder weather, harder to throw the ball in right. the colder weather, and so we last year towards the end of last year, we made an emphasis to really establish the run, and that just have carried over to the off season, carried over to OTAs now in the camp, and so we just, so it's just yeah, it's just been emphasis and on the culture by the coaches that that's something that we need to be able to do earlier in the season if we want to be a successful team. Gotcha. Thanks, James. Yes. So
0: there, I think a few really cool things, James n- points out there. He, I, I even try to give him credit as leader. And he's like, Hey, listen, like we're all kind of leading together. Like it's, it's, it's a collection of voices, not just one voice. And I think that's also a good thing for the offensive line, but you still want that one guy that can be that catalyst. And who knows, maybe Broderick Jones will become that down the line. Maybe this is what's setting him up to be at some point, but of course, as a rookie, he's not going to be that. Um, But either way, I think you got some good things there from James Daniels. One, that guy, he seems so well put together. He can be physical on the field, but when you talk to him afterwards, he has he has you know a lot of different thoughts about different things. He's he makes really good observations. Always appreciate talking to that guy and hearing his perspective on how the line's doing. Um, but he's he's right about a few things. One, the culture that they're trying to build, the the, the connection to last year, saying you know where where they kind of built build up from. That's where I think this offensive line is trying to get to uh, this upcoming season is trying to say, like, hey, we're not just, you know, the end of last year wasn't just about the, you know, them playing some bad teams down the stretch. It wasn't just about them getting kind of lucky with some games. It was them actually building chemistry. And now with some additional pieces, they're taking steps forward. And He feels like they're taking steps forward. So good things for the offensive line. But again. It's all one day at a time because you know what? Uh, like I'm, I'm recording this before I head to the Sunday practice and uh, they could very well have a bad day at Sunday. Though Sunday won't be with Pat. So uh, there, there's that, but they could have a bad day Sunday. They could have a bad day Tuesday when they resume after, after their Monday day off. So, who knows what's going to happen there? But we, we do here at the Lockdown Steelers podcast, we take day by day. We say what we see, how we how we in, interpret it and kind of catalog it and just remember, like, hey, remember these stories. And at the end of training camp, we put them all together and see how did they stack their days? Did they stack their days with consistency? Did they stack their days with uh, messing up here and there? Did they rebound from their bad days? All those things are going to be things that we try to keep track of here. Now, before we go, I want I did want to talk about the one thing that's kind of been like a sort of like a, a, a sub sub. Story B line for training camp that's been interesting the last two days, and that's been Kendrick Green playing a different position. Now, you're probably thinking, like, what what are you talking about? What's what's what a different position? Now, if you've been at practice or you've seen clips, you've probably heard about this and you or you've seen it yourself. But Kendrick Green uh was has been playing fullback for the Steelers in the last few practices, not full time, like he's, been, he's still been on the offensive line, but they have been using him in motion, like in formations, kind of like how they've been using Connor Hayward and they'll use him as a lead blocker. And man, he looks violent. It does not look fair that a man at that, that size is moving. is hitting people on the move. And they've even thrown him the ball a couple of times. There was a play where they, they set up like kind of like a, a, a pass to the play action and then a pa- pass to the flat and he caught it in the flat and he ran like 11 yards truck Tanner Muse in the process. Um, And it's like, it's like, wow, like, what the heck is that about? And it's funny, Vince Williams himself, like earlier, I think it was this, it was either this offseason or last offseason, he said, put Kendrick Green at fullback, let that dude go to work, and he'll be a problem. And Vince Williams was at the Saturday practice and was kind of like, you see what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, so uh, that was kind of cool to see the former Steelers linebacker uh, kind of calling that out. Uh, And he even compared him to Rosie Nix, who was. Vince Williams backs on backers rival back in the day for the Steelers. It's interesting with Kendrick Green. I don't know if that's something that'll stick because, again, Connor Hayward kind of, even though he's probably going to be more physical than Connor Hayward, he won't have the receiving skills that Connor Hayward does. And I think that's just as important as winning and blowing people up uh, with with a big block. But Mike Tomlin often talks about how versatility is a way to ensure your spot on the team. I think that that's absolutely something that Kendrick Green could help with if he's able to do that. But, you know, I think we are starting to see Nate Herbig kind of start to become the backup center of the team where Kendrick Green was maybe looked at like that could have been the job that he held on to this year. Uh, and he still hasn't solidified that. I think Kendrick Green's thing is this. He is. He, he's very good at being mobile. He's very good at hitting on the run. And that part is really exciting because you love to see centers who can get that or, or guards get down the field, use their speed to block people. Because when a guy with that size is moving fast, it's terrifying and it's dangerous for opponents and it can create some really good explosive moments for the offense. And, you know, I always point out one of the best players that ever did that was Dermani Dawson. When he would pull out in space and he would crush people, he was elite. But the thing about Dermani Dawson is that he also dominated you with the line of scrimmage. He didn't need to build up momentum to beat you. He could just win at the line of scrimmage. And that's where Kendrick Green isn't as strong and I think that they've they've tried they've given him a lot of different opportunities his rookie year he was the starting center that didn't work they put him at guard against Kevin Dotson Kevin Dotson won it and to the point where Kendrick didn't even dress at all last year that didn't work so I do think that Kendrick Green is running out of time to prove himself but he has been impressive in these reps at the fullback role, and he's still kind of like a backup interior offensive lineman. So that might be a saving grace for him to add to the roster. Now, again, these are also, when we're talking about some of these plays that they're throwing him in, and it's the third team offense with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And it's just like an occasional thing that they throw in when they're doing like 11 on 11 and like the fourth play of 11 on 11, when they try to give him uh, you know, a play where maybe he can do something with the ball in his hands. Um, and like again, that's exciting. That's cool, but I don't think the Steelers are at all trying to depend on that for anything in their in their offense this year, as far as a dependable play. Maybe like be a trick play that they keep in the back of their uh, the back of their playbook for some interesting moments. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Either way, um, Kendrick Green aside, the offensive line is getting sharper. Isaac Sayomalo, I think, is a big key of that. The question will be: Can Broderick Jones? overtake Dan Moore at some point. That's not to slight Dan, Dan Moore. I think he's actually looked, you know, okay this this training camp. He's looked kind of still like that veteran third-year left tackle who was a fourth-round pick years ago who's gotten better at his job. But on Monday's episode, I'll tell you why I think Broderick Jones is really closing that gap it won't be he won't overtake Dan Moore uh any this this week, but I think there's going to be some telltale signs that we'll see in the first two preseason games that'll really give us a better look at where both of these guys are and if if one does a lot significantly better than the other in uh, in preseason action against live opponents, that could dictate who wins this battle by the end of training camp. But we'll get to that and who I think is the most improved player so far after two weeks of training camp here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. That'll be the Monday episode. Thanks again to everyone for tuning in to the uh, bonus episode here on Sunday uh, from the Locked On Steelers podcast. I want to give a quick shout out to everybody who hits me up at training camp. There are so many of you. I know some of you guys were like, can I get a shout out? And I'm like, listen, you're like the 30th person today, but it means the world to me. Whenever when people come up to me and they say they love the show, they love the work means so much so when I when I say it means a lot please understand that it does it's just that when I'm at training camp I'm also trying to keep track of everything that's going on so I can't like you know stop every time and and talk for you know five ten minutes otherwise if I did that for 30 different people every day I miss most of practice but I love talking to you guys and everyone there you guys are awesome uh, it, it, is, it amazes me that we meet so many different Steelers fans who aren't just from the area I met guys from Virginia I've been a fan from France I mean I was just like Whoa, this is so cool. And and, uh, I even met this young man, Jack. He was like seven years older. I'm not seven, might have been like nine. I apologize, Jack, if I messed up your age. But he was this kid, walked up to me and said, I love your show. And I'm like, for a little kid to come up to me and say, like, and be like, that means the world. So, it's just awesome to see how many Locked On Steelers fans there are out there. And we hope that you get you all can keep enjoying the show here on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Tune back in Monday for our, we get back to our regularly scheduled Monday through Friday episodes, and we start to get ready for you, get you ready for the first preseason action of the year. It's going to be a fun week. We'll see you then right here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast.